Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, we've been looking at the life of our boy Joseph, and man, I just like like I told you before, I just I can't wait to just really talk to Joseph, right? Because as we're looking at his life, right, we took a we took a little detour and we talked a little bit about Judah, really polar opposite of Joseph. But Joseph, you go, what are some of the things? What are some of the things we learned about Joseph's heart? What are some of the things we learned in chapter 41? Well, let me, let me just jot these down for you because I thought there's some key thoughts that are going on about Joseph's life. And you go, well, well, like what? Well, if you're taking note, the first thing we learned is that we do see bad things happen to good people. I mean, it's the truth. Bad things happen to good people. And, and I know that's a, I mean, people have written books about it and there's all kinds of stuff about it, but we do know that happens. There's good people serving Jesus that, that stuff happens to. And we learned that in the life of Joseph. Being naive and a little cocky as a 17 year old does not, does not mean that he was a bad person or that he didn't follow the Lord. The Lord was with him. He didn't deserve to be put in a pit. He didn't deserve to get put in a prison. So we know bad things happen. To good people. We also saw that things don't always turn out the way we think we'd like them to. We all have ideals in our mind. Oh man, I wish this is how. And and even now as we get older, we go, man, this is not how my life turned out. This is not how I thought it was going to turn out. But we know biblically this is the same thing. We, We know that that doesn't always turn out. And that's okay. Why? Because when we gave our life to Jesus, guys, that's exactly what it meant. It meant we gave our life to Jesus. And we can sit here with just great rest in our minds, even though I know it's hard, trust me. But we have great rest going, okay, God, I just give it to you. I give it to you. I give it to you. You're going to work it out. You're going to work it out. Another key thought that we learn, guys, is just because we're living a life for God does not mean that on this side of heaven that we won't have problems. Just because we go, man, I've got to follow Jesus. I'm, Je- I'm a Jesus freak, man. And all of this stuff doesn't mean that, that there isn't going to be issues and there won't be bills that come up and there won't be struggles in your marriage and there won't be miscommunication and there won't be a boss who doesn't like you. <gasps> What? No, it, it's, it's the truth. And of course, last week we saw that there, were, that was, there was something different about Joseph. And this is something that really touches my heart. Why? Because even his enemies noticed the difference. There was just something different. And see, here's the one thing that we don't want to do as Christians, guys. We don't want to be blenders. You go, what? We don't just want to blend into the world where people don't notice us because, because we want to walk with the anointing of God in our lives that even our enemies go, man, there's something. Wow, God is with you. God is with That's what I love about Joseph. I don't want to be just blenders. I want to be what he says. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not only are your friends going, wow, wow, that's a, amazing. That's amazing. And again, that, that doesn't happen by chance, church. this is intentional. And that's because God is working in and through our lives. That's what he did with Joseph. And if you believe that life should be fair, ever hear that life isn't fair, and thinking that other people will treat you the same way, that you're going to live a disappointed life. Right? Because life is not fair, and most people don't play by the same rules as you. 
I find it interesting that even today, I'll be, I'll be in a conversation, maybe at the gym or whatever, and, and people will be using, I mean, I, I asked one guy, one guy, I asked one guy at the gym, I asked one guy at the gym, hey, how, how did you lose so much weight? Cause he went from like something like 300 down to, to 180, and I was like, that was a lot, and, uh, but, but every word out of his mouth was, was a curse word, and it was this and this and this, and, and so he doesn't know who I am, but it was like, and I was like, wow. I, I'm not used to hearing the you you know the circles that I'm not used to hearing those words. I know I've heard them before. I've never said them, but you know what I'm saying. I'm saying that. It, but here's the thing: I, I understand that. Listen, they they don't play by the same rules. They don't understand the same rules. And and here's where here's where my pastor's heart reaches out. They don't they don't have that regenerate heart, a heart that has changed, a heart that was transformed from the inside out. They don't have that. And so, of course, they're going to talk worldly. Of course, they're going to say the F-bomb. Of course, they're going to do this. And I'm going, okay. All I wanted to know is how you lost the weight. That's all I want to know. So we understand that right now. Apply that to your lives. You've got family. You've got friends that don't know Jesus. Oh, they may claim to be believers, but they don't know Jesus. And so from the inside, they're not transformed. And so they live a world that's, they live a life that's pretty worldly. And so you, you, you've got to just understand that and, and, and kind of go, okay, I understand that. Now I always use this word, Y-E-T. Y-E-T. You go, what is that? Yet. Because I always say, they don't know Jesus yet. They don't know Jesus yet. I, I'm a, I, I'm a Y-E-T guy. You know what I mean? Because it was at 16. I, hadn't, I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know Jesus yet. And at 17, I surrendered my life to him. Came and the scales fell off my eyes. You guys know what I'm talking about? And so I love that. Why? Because again, here's what we're doing. Now, last week, if you recall, Pharaoh had a dream. Okay. And he had this dream, and it troubled him so much. Now, normally when you have a troubling dream, okay, you chalk it up to pizza or spicy food right before dinner, right? Or a bowl of cereal in the middle of the night. Maybe you have a weird dream after that. I don't know. I always get up and have a bowl of cereal sometimes. and So anyways, but that's not what it's about, right? This dream was super real to Pharaoh, so much so that he couldn't sleep anymore. He called, he called his magicians and he called his wise guys, right? And he says, man, you got to help and, and, and tell me what this is all about, okay? Now, listen to the dream. In verse 1, he says, now, this is the dream, right? He says, suddenly there came up out of the river, okay, this is the, the Nile, okay? Out of the Nile came seven cows, fine-looking fat, and they fed in the middle. And to him, that's like, yeah, right? That stock market going up, this is amazing, Okay? I didn't know we had this thing on the screen. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. We're getting fit. Is that it? Is that, is that it, Jesse? And suddenly? Oh, okay, good. Awesome. Good job, Josh. All right. Well, let me see. Now you, I've totally, I'm like, man, we're like, I'm going to watch. This is like cool. This is, suddenly there came out of the river seven cows, fine looking fat, and they fed in the meadow. Okay, next slide, see? And behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river. They were ugly and gaunt, and they stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. Okay, and the ugly and the gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and the fat cows, and Pharaoh awoke. Now, 
He had a dream, okay, so he slept again, and he had a dream a second time. Suddenly there was seven grains of head coming up on the stalk, plump and good. And behold, seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. Seven thin heads devoured the seven plump heads and, the, and, and, and full heads, right? So here's the dream. Now, here's what we got to understand. If you're taking notes, guys, we need to understand Egypt's entire economy was present in Pharaoh's dream. This was just not, hey, man, wow, I had a dream. Like, like sometimes I have a dream that makes no sense whatsoever. You ever have a dream that makes no sense? You're just like, what was that about? I was driving a car, right? And all of a sudden the car was driving me. And, you know, I mean, it's weird or whatever, you know. <laughs> I don't know. But this was the entire economy in Pharaoh. And you go, why? Because the fat cows coming up from the Nile meant prosperity for Egypt. Okay, until the ugly cows thinned. I mean, I don't know, right? In your dream, you're like, man, those are ugly cows, man, right? And then the heads of grain, guys, they represented good assets and commodities until the east wind. You guys remember that scorching wind that can drive up temperatures so hot. This is that's what he said. So right there, he, so so all of a sudden he has this dream, right? And he's like tripping. He's like, dude, help me, help me. What does this mean? What does this mean? Nobody can do it. They're like, we don't know. You're hungry for steak? I mean, I don't know. What does the seven cows mean? I don't, I don't know. You want some bread with, you know, makes me think of a certain restaurant that has some amazing rolls with butter. You know what I'm talking about, right, Joe? Yeah, I, I can't mention it, but you know what I'm talking about where, where you need to take me pretty soon. But anyways, because of the cows and so, and so they can't. And so what do they do? Well, the butler goes, oh, you know, you ever that, I should have had a V8, right? That's what he says. I should have had a V8. I remember there's a guy in prison. Except, I don't know if he's still there because it was two years ago. It was two years ago. Really? Yeah, my bad, right? I was supposed to, right? Joe, Josh, bummer, right? Yeah, because again, he was supposed to tell him about Joseph and he didn't. And he says, but there's a man. There's a man. He's been there two years plus. And remember what we learned, that Joseph was a man of what? Character, integrity, and humility and wisdom. And at 17 years old, guys, he was a naive young teenager, but through the hardships of life, he became a real man of God. That's a, that's a tough place to amen, bro. That's a tough place to amen, because did you hear the word Hardships. Because nobody wakes up and goes, okay, today I just want to go through tough times. But Joseph, Joseph, through those hard times, he became a real man of God. Now, jot this down, okay? Because here's what we need to learn. You ready? Trials will either make us better or they'll make us bitter. Trials will either make us better or they'll make us Bitter. In Joe's case, the trials made him better. And you go, Pastor, Pastor, how do you know? How do you know? Well, look at, um, look at chapter 41, verses 15 and 16. Okay. It says, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and there was no one who could interpret it, but I heard of it said of you that you could understand the dream and interpret it. Verse 16. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. This is how I know. Why? Because when Pharaoh asked him, hey, somebody said you can interpret the dream. 
I would have put on my negotiating hat right then. Well, wait a minute. Yes, I can. See, I've got me and God. We're inside. But let me listen. Negotiate here a little bit. Listen, I'd like a, I like a little, a little, you know, um, little house out out by the river. You know, I mean, he doesn't do that. He's not thinking of himself. What does he do? He says, "I'm going to honor God. It's not me. I'm going to honor God." And we should never take credit. For only what God can do. We should never take credit. When God blesses your life, and he may bless you financially, and he may bless you with gifts, like, like, like um, Jesse was saying. I mean, I mean, think about this. I mean, really, it is a gift to be able to play the drums and play the guitar and sing and, and whatever giftings you have, it's a gift and we should never take, oh, yeah, you're the, you're like, it's, it's, man, to God be the glory. And that's what I want to use it for. I want to use it for. And I love, I love, love the heart of Joseph because he says, it's beyond my power to do this. I can't do this. He says, but God can. God can. Guys, let's evaluate our lives real quick. Let's take a spiritual inventory. As God begins to bless us in the ministry, as God begins to lift us up, as other people begin to see us, what do we do? We turn and give glory to God. It has to be that way. It has to be that way. This is what Joseph, Joseph is to He's a man of integrity, a man of character. And you too can be a woman of integrity, a woman of character, a woman of, of humility and honor. And let me say this to you. How does your marriage last? How does your marriage work? Because you give honor and glory to God. How, how have you been married so long? Because of Jesus. Because he's walked us through. He's held us. He's the glue. So what does Pharaoh do, guys? He repeats the dream, and Joseph says, okay, let me, let me, let me think about this. And, and he gives them the interpretation. Look at verse 33. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land, collect one-fifth of the produce of the land, Egypt, in the seven plentiful years, and let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be a, a, a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, and the land may not perish during the famine." So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man who has the Spirit of God? And that's where we left off last week. Pharaoh's like, Wow, that's good advice. You have the Spirit of God. Guys, there's a couple of things that we need to realize Either we are going to be walking in the spirit to where our, where, where, where people recognize that, or we will be walking in the flesh where people recognize that. And I want to learn from Joseph that he doesn't walk in the flesh. He walks in the spirit. He's walking and he says, listen, here's what he, here's, he, he doesn't say, hey, 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 hey listen. This is what we got to do. This is, listen, here's what you got. Put me in charge. I'll take care of everything. Listen, I got this. He doesn't do that. He says, Pharaoh, here's what you want to do. Here's what you want to do. 
And that's where we left off last week, guys. So when we pick up our study for tonight, guys, if you're taking notes, if you're a note taker, I'm calling this message A Day in the Life of Joseph. He's going to go from the prison to the palace. And you go, why? For tonight, we see Joseph being promoted, guys, to prime minister. He's going to prime minister. He went from the pit to the prison and now to the palace. So that's where we're going to pick it up. Verse 39 says this. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all of this, there is no one as discerning and as wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all of my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. Do you guys see that? Verses 39 and 40 blow my mind. Why? He's saying, listen, since God, since Elohim, since God has revealed the dream, the meaning of the dreams to you, he says, clearly no one else is as intelligent and as wise as you. You're going to be in charge of my court. You're going to be in charge of my people. My people are going to take orders from you. Only I sit in my throne will have a higher rank than yours. Now, check it out. Check it out. Listen, listen. In reading this, we all root for the underdog, don't we? We're like, yay, Joe! You got it, buddy. You hung in there, right? When, and and we're, we're, we're a type of people that, that root for the underdogs. We're the type of people that want to see those on the bottom end up winning. Listen, people ask me, Ben, who is your favorite football team? And they're always shocked when I tell them. Okay, because if you live in Texas, a lot of people like the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, I get that. But they go, Ben, who do you like? And they would think, well, you're from New Mexico. You must like the Denver Broncos. And I said, no, I don't like the Denver Broncos. We're a Detroit Lions fan. And they go, what? Are, is your family from Detroit, Michigan? What? I go, no. But Detroit's never won a Super Bowl. And I've always rooted for the underdog. Come on, man, you can do it. You, every year, I'm hoping Every year. And so, no, I almost said something, Jesse, but mm, about the cowboy, you can't say that. Okay. And so this is how we feel. Guys, this is how we, we feel. We're like, oh, yes, yes, Joe. We rejoice in our hearts for the boy who was betrayed by his own family, who was sold into slavery. We rejoice for the man who did nothing wrong. And was falsely accused. Guys, we're, we, we, do, come on, is it just me or do we rejoice for him? We're like, okay, okay. But here's what I want you to do, guys. It gets deep. Let's go a little bit deeper. Let's go a little bit deeper. Now, understand, by what we have learned, this position is not without its stresses. I mean, we're excited. Joe, you made prime minister amazing. Yeah, good job, buddy. But he's like, hold on, hold on. You don't understand. You know, I mean, think about it, guys. Put on your thinking caps. In the prison, Joseph is flying under the radar, right, from the king of Egypt. The king of Egypt doesn't even know who's in prison. He's not worried about, oh, I gotta, just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill this guy. He, he really has no chance of being noticed or killed. But if you recall, it was the butler and the baker who were in the king's presence. 
who ended up, one of them being put to death. Let that sink in. Because all the word of God says is that they offended Pharaoh. And so when you put your thinking caps on, I'm thinking, we're all excited for Joseph, but I'm thinking Joseph's going, what? Right? Why? Because now Joseph is in charge of the kingdom where he has to do a good job or be subject to Pharaoh's wrath. You ever, you ever get a job where you think, I don't know if I can do that or not? I don't know how long I can keep doing a good job. Do you ever, you ever I mean, right? Exactly. And so you're thinking, but this is the king of Egypt. This is, it's not like, well, uh, Jesse, come on in. No, okay, well, now you're not making it, bro. We're going to have to let you go. It's not that. It's like, listen, if you don't do a good job, you might end up where the baker was, you know? And so, again, you go, Ben, why are you bringing this out? Well, again, I guess what would be going through my mind if I was Joseph God, are you really with me in this? Is is this what God really wants me to do? What if I mess up? But what I love is the text had already told us why. Because go back to verse 38 for just a moment, real quick. It says, And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this? Now, When you look at that and you pull it out and you exegetically look in the Hebrew, the question is rhetorical, right? Pharaoh already knows. He knows in his heart that Joseph can completely fill the position as an overseer. And that's what brings confidence. So he's already saying, no, I know you can do this. I know you can do this. God is with you. I see God with you. He's blessing you. There's something different about you. When I asked you to bring up the interpretation, you said you couldn't do it. You said only God could do it. You gave honor and glory to God. Now you're going to be my second in command. Now, again, I'm thinking, how do you go from being a slave to being prime minister? That's crazy. That's crazy. How do you go from being a slave? Come on, y'all. How do you go from being in the pit? How being a 17-year-old naive guy going, you're going to bow down to me. You're going to bow down. All you bros. From that to now all of a sudden he's second in command of Egypt. I'll tell you how. Listen. And it's something that we've got to embed in our hearts. Why? Because this can only happen in Egypt. Now, here's what we got to learn. You guys ready? In order for Joseph to be second in command, this had to be a supernatural move of God paving the way for the convictions of both the minds and the hearts of Pharaoh and his counselors. You understand that? It's got to be a supernatural. That's, That's exactly, it's God's favor. So when Pharaoh said, oh yeah, you're the man, God had already worked in his heart. You with me on that? Okay? So a lot of our life is God supernaturally moving, paving the way for our, right? We know that. I I can see two examples right here. How Pastor Self ended up in Lubbock, Texas is beyond me. He was in California. He loved it. And God said supernaturally, 
and he ended up here. It had to be God, because nobody comes to Lubbock on purpose from California to help start it. To, I mean, he just had a purpose, you see. And then, and then I see Jesse. I know Jesse's story. I know Jesse's story. He was supposed to drive on through. <laughs> and it was super, you, you understand, supernaturally, God was working behind the scenes in the same way that God worked in my life when we planted this church. Where, I hit, where he moved a friend to Lubbock, Texas, who I knew back in my working days that asked me if I wanted to, if I could help him start a, the business here, run a store for him. And I'm going, and, uh, uh, Lubbock, this is where God had already put it in my heart. You want me to come out? Hey, will you move me? Sure, we'll move you. I mean, it was all supernatural. But here's, here's the second thing I want you to grasp, okay? Because we all go, amen, supernatural. But we also had to realize that Joseph had to have the training the integrity and the character that only comes from trials and tribulations. You see, God had already not only supernaturally prepared Pharaoh and his counselors, but he was preparing Joseph through what we call life. It's the same thing for us, guys. And sometimes those of you watching are here and we're just, man, we're so stressed out with life and some of the trials and tribulations. Listen, God is molding you and he's shaping you for what he has for you. And we don't despise the small things. So it's like, oh, I can't believe this. God is doing something. It's, it's, it's so amazing. Listen, God has been working behind the scene for years. Because of the seriousness of the new position, God had to prepare Joseph while in prison. How can you go from being a slave to a prime minister if all you did in prison was complain? If all you did is blaspheme God, if all you did was... was Talk about your neighbors. If all you did was talk about your family, if all you did was me, 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 poor me, 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 I can't believe I'm in here. If all you did was say, man, if I get out, I'm going to get Potiphar's wife a, a thing or two. Joseph doesn't do that. God was preparing him because he said, I have to prepare you in the prison because I have this next step for you. The problem is, guys, and this is from the Holy Spirit, the problem is, is that we never get out of this position to have all that God has for us. We never do because we get caught up here and saying, God, help me to help this trial, this suffering, this mess up, this craziness. Help it to prepare me for what you have. Help it to prepare me so that I can be all that you have me to be. I think... I think in life, guys, sometimes there's so many people who are wanting that better position. Boy, if I just had that, if I just had that regional manager job, or if I just had this, or, or, or they want to be more of an influencer. Man, I want people to look up to me. I want to be a leader. I want to be somebody only to be discouraged by their lack of progress. Well, I say chin up. Why? Because God is working behind the scenes for such a time for you to be ready. You go, let me put it to you this way. God doesn't waste time. Everything that you've gone through, everything that you've, all the trials, all the tribulations, all the heartaches, all the tears that nobody saw, God doesn't waste those. He's molding you and he's, he's, he's going to make you something so amazing. 
You go, well, how do you know? Well, guys, think about this. A great illustration is in the book of Esther. Esther herself, right? You guys know the story. I don't have time. But, but one of the key phrases is for such a time as Esther, God had been preparing you over here to be a king's wife to save the Jewish people. What if, and we don't like what ifs, but what if Esther was like, no, I'm not going to marry that king. I'm as a heathen king. I ain't going to go up there. I'm not going to do this. Mordecai, no, I'm not going to do it. I'll tell you what happens. God says, okay, man, free will. I'm going to raise up somebody else. But Esther said, for such a time as this, here's my encouragement to you guys. You ready? Here's the inspiration. Just hang on. God's going to do an amazing thing. And what, and what the enemy means for evil, what the enemy wants you to get trapped in, in the circle of complaining and being super bummed and all this, God's going, no, 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 I got this. Watch, look. Now you go, I may not be prime minister, but you're definitely going to be an influencer. You're going to be an influencer to your kids. You're going to be an influencer to your grandkids. You're going to be an influencer to friends. You're going to be an influencer to families. Simply, that's how we change the world. What do you mean? Oh, Joe, he's going to change the world. In the severe famine, Joe's going to change the world. We can change the world by letting God get us to the place where we need to be. You go, what's the first question i got to ask? God, what do you want me to learn? What am I supposed to learn through this? Okay, I understand the lesson. Now help me apply that lesson to my life. Help me be a better Christian. Help me not to complain. Help me not to complain, Lord. Yeah, but Joe was in prison. As a matter of fact, check this out. You guys ready? He was in a dungeon. And the term dungeon means he was, there were shackles. I mean, it wasn't like, man, it wasn't like, listen, he had internet. You know, he had the internet and he had a, he had a laptop and he had cable and he just hung out and lifted weights all day. That's the prison, Joe. He wasn't in that type of prison. This was a mess up, but he didn't complain. And he didn't badmouth Potiphar. And he did what God had told him to do. And behind the scene, Ben, why are you belaboring this point? Because I know so many people get caught here and they never get out of the prison of their own heart to receive all that God has for him. Well, it goes on. In verse 41, it says, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen. He put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in the second chariot. So he got a company vehicle. That's pretty cool. Right? And, and notice, and they cried out before him, Bow the knee. Bow the knee. So he set him over the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in the land of all of Egypt. This is crazy. Joseph gets, think about this. He's elevated to the position of prime minister, second only to Pharaoh himself, the symbols of his office. I mean, think about it. The ring the gold chain, the clothes. Guys, think about it. The personal chariot. And everywhere he went, they had to bow down to him. He had a personal runner that went ahead of him, and he had to bow down. That should just... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't, didn't he have a dream that the other people were going to bow down? But that 
his brothers took that the wrong way. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And then check this out. It says, he says, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And again, the implication is, listen, you cut the borders off, bro. Nobody can come in unless you say. You say. And in verse 45, it says, So Pharaoh called Joseph's name zaphnath Paneah and gave him a wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. So Joseph went out over the land of Egypt. Now, here's what I want you to see. Guys, look at me. Look at me. Don't skip over this verse. Don't skip over the verse, okay? Because we go, oh, yeah, well, they gave him an Egyptian name. Cool. I don't even know how to pronounce that. That's really crazy. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, it's just like, check it out. It said they're going to call him Zaphonath Paneah, right? And then he gets a wife. But, but here's what's going on. Here's what's going on. Pharaoh gave him an Egyptian name, and he gave him an Egyptian wife. An Egyptian wife who came from one of the most prominent families in all of the land. You go, Ben, what's your point? I want you to see there's more going on here. Why? Because here's where we can apply this. You see, Pharaoh is trying to Egyptianize Joseph by giving him an Egyptian name and an Egyptian wife. And when I read this, my mind automatically went back to Solomon. Solomon loved lots of women, but the problem was is that he had 700 wives, which meant 700 in-laws. Just kidding, Mom. Love you. So anyways, and then, and, then, and then he had but literally 300 concubines, so he had 1,000 wives. But here's what happened. The problem was is that the foreign wives turned his heart from serving God. And then we have a sad ending with Solomon. So you go, so Ben, what's the point? Well, Pharaoh was trying to get him to go, okay, listen, you're not a Hebrew anymore. You're an Egyptian. So we're not going to call you Joseph anymore. We're going to call you, and, and listen, to even bring greater influence in your life, we're going to give you an Egyptian wife. We all know this, right? Beverly, help me out. The man is the head, Right? But the woman is the one who turns, is the neck who turns the head, right? I mean, we all know that. So a woman, our wives are very influential, very influential in our lives. And you go, well, Ben, yeah, I get it. Calm down. But my question would be, hey, Joe, if I was having a cup of coffee with Joseph, I guess I would have to ask, are you going to leave, are you going to leave the God you love because you've been promoted in the Egyptian world? Hey, Joe, what, what's, bro, what does this look like? What does this look like now? See, you're prime minister. You're, you're, oh, oh, I'm sorry. You're not Joseph anymore. I, I understand. And, and what about your wife? Well, yeah, I know she's pretty. She's Egyptian. It's amazing. You go, Ben, how can we apply this, man? How can we apply this? Well, guys, we know that Egypt has always been a type of the world. And we know as believers, guys, that we're not supposed to be friends with the world. As a matter of fact, James says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with, against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Whoa, hold the phone, time out. But what about when your boss in the world promotes you? What about when you start being lifted up in the world? 
Here's what I've seen happen, guys. There have been some really, really godly men that get promoted, and all of a sudden, they're like, okay, well, this isn't going to happen much, but you'll have to work Sundays now. Well, I'm CEO, or I'm this and this. And all of a sudden, what happens is the world is going to try to pull you away from your duties as a godly husband and a godly father and a servant of the Lord Jesus. That's the world. This is what he's trying to do with Joseph. And so, and, and, and so I'm thinking, man, the world is always trying to get us worldly. The world is, well, Ben, 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 that's just crossing the line. I have to work. And when I have to work, no, no, no. What I'm saying is the world wants to do that. Guys, listen to me when I say I've seen godly men first leave Wednesday night study for 25 cents more an hour. Okay, well, we're going to give you a raise, but you've got to work Wednesday night. Oh, okay. And then, okay, but we're still here Sunday. And then slowly I've seen the world pull them away. It breaks my heart. Do you recall, guys, do you recall um, last week when we talked about WWYD? You go, I thought it was WWJD. No, no, no. What would you do? What would you do? See, Joseph was a man of character, a man of integrity, and Joseph doesn't negotiate. He, he didn't negotiate freedom. He simply tells the most powerful man in the world, here's what you should do. And, of course, we learned from Joseph that the only way we can do that is if we heard from God walking in the Spirit. Here's the point. When the world promotes you and tries to lure you back in, remember we are to be in the world but not of the world. Joseph will do his greatest work, listen to me, as an Egyptian, but he doesn't compromise who he is. Joseph is going to save the world, but he doesn't compromise who he is in God. Great example in the word of God. Verse 46, Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout the land of Egypt. I bet he was probably uh, checking out his new, his new wheels, man. He's like, let's take this thing for a ride, you know? This would be cool. But, but here's another note of encouragement. You guys ready? From the pit to the palace took 13 years. See, sometimes we read it and it's like, oh, he went in the pit. Oh, then he was in there. And then now he's in the pit. 13 years, guys, that he was a, he was a slave. So what was God doing in those 13 years? He was building the man. He was building the man. Guys, his foundation had to be solid. Had to be. When it comes to your walk, when it comes to your walk with God, here's what I want you to picture. I want you to picture a tree so rooted in the dirt that the wind is not going to move you. It may try to sway you, but it's not coming out. It's not coming out. This tree that I'm telling I want you to picture in your mind, picture a trunk bigger than my pulpit. There it is, and the roots go down, and they go wide, and they go deep, and this tree is not moving. I don't care how much wind comes. You guys with me? 
But it didn't start out this way. Where did it start out? It started a little skinny tree branch. And it had to be tied. And what did it need? It needed water. It needed sunshine. And eventually, what did it need? Help me. They took, Joe, they took those off, and eventually it needed the wind, didn't it? Because what happened is as the wind blew, the trials of life, the roots went deep. So those things that you've gone through is growing you deep into your foundation. Don't let the enemy come and rip it up. 13 years. 13 years. Right? Here's another good point that I think is so cool. Joseph is 30 years old, and he's second in command of Egypt. 30 years old. Wow. Only God can do this. Only God can do this. Well, what happens? It came to pass. You go, what came to pass? Now, listen, the first part of the dream. Okay? Why? Well, here's what you got to understand. Guys, we're going to read from verses 49, 47 to 49, but here's what I want you to see. This had to come to pass. Why? Because this confirms God's revelation through Joseph, and because he confirmed it, he, he was therefore building Joseph's reputation to Pharaoh. You see, it wasn't enough for Joe to go, hey, this is what I think, this is what it, this is what it is. And then, and then you hear crickets waiting for the fan, waiting for the, for, for the cows, right? Waiting for the, for the feast. Well, Joe, I thought you said this is what the dream was about. Well, yeah, I just didn't say when. I mean, come on. No, it's starting. And so Pharaoh goes, the dude is on point. The dude is on point, man. Okay, so what was it? Well, let's look. Verse 47. Now, there were seven plentiful years. Amen. And the ground brought forth abundantly. So he gathered up all the food for seven years, which was in the land of Egypt. And he laid up the food in the cities. And he laid up every city, the food and the fields which surrounded them. Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until they stopped counting it, for it was immeasurable. So again, think about this. During the seven years of abundance, what does Joe do? He heaps up store, stores of grain, so much so, guys, all over the city that there's like, he's like, I don't even know. I can't even keep a, 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 an interesting inventory. Now, here's what I want you to see. Okay, if you've ever seen the Ten Commandments, you guys remember the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston? There's a scene in there where where Moses actually opens the grain houses so the so the uh, Hebrews could eat. And Ramses is like, how come you're giving them food? And he's like, look, they need to eat. Well, where did those, where did, where did they have the grain houses? Where did they have the storehouses? They had it from Joseph who had come earlier. So not only is he going to serve and help his family bring the Hebrews to the land of Egypt when it was time, he still had that stored up. 30 years old, Joe. 30 years old. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. So what happens during this time? What happens during the two time, the time, the seven years? Well, Joseph has two boys. Notice. And Joseph, guess what? Were born two sons before the years of the famine came, okay? And whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, the priest of On, bore to him. Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. 
For God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second was called Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Guys, look at this. This is so cool. This is so deep. Why? Because Joe doesn't forget where he, what, what's happened to him. He's like, man, this has been tough. I'm, I'm not. Listen, I've kept my eyes on Jesus. I've kept my eyes on Jesus. But that did not mean that this wasn't a land of affliction. He, it, wasn't, it wasn't a tough deal. He wasn't like, oh, yeah, every night I sang Kumbaya and everything was good. He goes, man, this was tough. You got to tell me, Amanda, you don't know how many times I wanted to give up. You don't know how many times I wanted to throw in the towel. You don't understand, but I kept my eyes on Jesus. And so, and so he, has, he gets married, right? And so he has, he has two boys, and I love that he names them boys with meaning. You go, what do you mean? Because Manasseh, guys, means forgetfulness. That's what it means. And it means one who causes me to forget. So he names it, comes out, it's, it's a boy. Let's call him amnesia. That would be a modern term, amnesia. I'm going to forget everything that happened to me. Right? So she gets pregnant again. It's a boy. Let's call him Ephraim, right? Fruitfulness. Modern day name might be ambrosia, something fruitful. And you go, Ben, that's silly. No, no, no. Here's why. Here's why. I think we can, we can grab some takeaways. I think we can grab some takeaways from this. You go, how so? Here's why. Okay? Because I think for you and I as believers, listen to me, we need to forget the past. We need to forget the past. As a matter of fact, Philippians chapter 3, 13 and 14 says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. What, Paul? Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race. I have received heavenly prize for, for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. So yes, we forget those things. You're forgiven of those things. We need to just keep our eyes moving forward. Because the devil wants to come and go, hey, remember what you did? Remember how you acted? Remember when you lied? No, 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 no. Listen, Manasseh, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward. Listen to this quote. I found a great quote, okay? Think about this. Every life has a purpose. We need to let go of the past, live in the present. Don't waste today worrying about what will happen tomorrow. Embrace your true spirit. Embrace and listen to the grace or listen to grace and you will be transformed in the moment. Do not fixate on what you want, but give thanks for what you have, end quote. I thought that was a great quote. Why? Because it's like, listen, ah, Alex, can we fix the past? Can we change it? It's gone. Pastor, I messed up. I know. But I'm not going to live there. I'm not going to live there because God is doing amazing things. You go, what else? Well, what about what about Ephraim? What about Ephraim? He says what? This is, this is being fruitful. See, Colossians tells us, Colossians 1.10 says, Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. So what's he saying? Here it is. You ready? Listen to this quote. Life is a mix of good and bad phases. Make the most of the good times and never lose hope during the bad times. End quote. Just be fruitful. Just be fruitful. Sometimes we get, we confuse busyness with being fruitful. 
I'm busy. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to. No, no, no. Be fruitful. Why? Here, you ready? Because life is full of good and bad. Life is full of amens and life is full of COVID. I get it. But make the most of the good times. And never lose hope during the bad times. Verse 53, then the seven years of plenty, which the land of Egypt ended. Okay, so, man, that was good. And the seven years of famine began to come. And Joseph said, the famine is in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Then Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph, whatever he says to you, do. The famine was all over the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and he sold to the Egyptians. And the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. So all the countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all the land. Well, the seven years had arrived. The seven years had arrived. What did the first seven years do for Joseph? What did the first seven years? Because God was faithful, and, he, and, and this was the interpretation of the dream, and this is what happened. Guess what happened? Pharaoh continued to trust Joseph's leadership during those, bad, those hard times. So what does Joseph do? He opens up the storehouses, and he sells the grain. But he not only sells them to Egyptians, he sells them to distant lands. What's, what's happening, he's setting up, guys, he's setting up us for a, 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 a change in the Scripture. But let's think about this for just a second. Let's think about this, okay? All the people of Egypt flocked to Joseph for assistance, along with others from a distant land. Joseph, guys, we see, started this chapter in prison, but he ends up in the palace. You go, okay, I'm with you. Now, I want you to put on your thinking caps, guys. Put on your thinking caps real quick. What would Joseph's story, what would it look like had he gone straight from the favored son to the prime minister of Egypt? What would that have looked like? And you go, what do you mean? What would our story look like if we had been promoted before we were broken by the Lord? Would it have been pride? Would we have bowed up our chests and said, yeah, God used me. I went straight from 17-year-old favorite son, had the coat of many colors now to the prime minister. I don't think, I don't think we would have gotten the same results. I don't think we would have gotten the same results. You see, the world's economy says, okay, let's promote you. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. But God's economy says, listen, I need to do something with you first. I need to do something with you first. A.W. Tozer, guys. A.W. Tozer. um, Said this. In order to be used greatly by God... In order to be used greatly, God had to hurt him deeply, end quote. And it's the brokenness. 
It's the brokenness. Guys, there's no other way around it. If you want to be used greatly by God, you have to allow him to break you. Listen, in God's economy, church, listen to me, we have no room to boast. All of this was God. Hey, Joe, how did you get where you, how did you get to be prime minister? And it was the Lord. Man, you know what? I want to grow up one day and be, be a prime minister. Okay, bro, but listen, this is the road that you're going to probably have to take. That's why God doesn't call very many pastors. Because it's a road of brokenness. It's a road of heartache at times. That's why it's a calling. The thing about it is that being a pastor, guys, is one of the loneliest places you can ever find yourself. As nobody understands. So why would you want to do it, Ben? Because the Lord Jesus compels me, calls me. Well, did he break you? I think he's still breaking me. And I pray to have a shepherd's heart. It's one thing to be just an amazing Bible teacher. It's one thing to be an amazing evangelist, but... But we need to have a shepherd's heart to cry with those who are broken and hurt with those who are hurting. To rejoice with those that rejoice. There's no room to boast. Well, Ben, all you had was just a handful of people on Wednesday night. I still have no room to boast. Well, Ben, you got to teach in Amarillo, and they had more people. I have no room to boast. That's the point. You, you, see where jo- you see where Joseph is at? He's just going, Lord, thank you. Now, as we close, the scene next week, guys, it changes. It changes. The focus now goes to Israel, which is interesting. We're, we're going to say goodbye to Joseph a little bit. In, in, it, it's not really focused on him anymore, but he's going to change to Israel, and Joseph is going to get a visit from his brothers, so I want you to stay tuned. Make sure you come back next week, but let me give you some takeaways from tonight, okay? Let me give you some takeaways. You ready? Number one, here's what we learned. We see in life that bad things happen to good people. We can't explain them. We don't know what's going on, but we know that bad things happen to to good th- bad things happen to good people. And we just say, Lord, we trust you. We trust the sovereignty of God. Amen? Okay? Number two is another takeaway. Listen, if you need encouragement, God is always working behind the scenes for our good. He's always working behind the scenes for our good. We can't see it. We don't know what's going on. But God's working. God's working. Number three. God's timing is everything for such a time as this.
for such a time as this. God's timing is everything. Don't rush. Don't hurry. Don't lag behind. Just be ready. Just be ready. How about this, number four? You ready, Joe? Trials will either make you better or make you bitter. We don't want to live out the last, the last of our days being ugly and bitter and mad at life and, and why didn't we do this? And why did, it's, it's done. Those trials should make us better and how we can pour into the younger generation. And last but not least, guys, in order to be used greatly for God, you must, hurt, you must be hurt deeply by God. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. We thank you, God, for, Lord, writing so much so that we can apply and grow. Lord, I thank you that you're still working behind the scenes. I thank you that what the world sees isn't what you see. I thank you, God, that you're still molding us and growing us and teaching us and shaping us, Lord. Lord, for Joseph, it was 13 years. God, for Calvary Chapel Lubbock, it's been 16. Help us to keep our eyes on you, Jesus. God, the words we want to hear is, is, well done, thy good and faithful servant. God, you've called us to be faithful. Now, Lord, that doesn't mean that we don't go invite people and it doesn't mean we don't share the gospel and it doesn't mean we don't invite people to church and and we do our part, but what it means is that we're going to remain faithful. So I thank you. And Lord, our prayer is, God, is that you would take this little church here on 42nd in Boston, God, and use us greatly. Use us for such a time as this, God. Use us, God, in our food distribution, God, for those that are needy for food. Use us, God, to to live out the calling that you called for us. Use us to be to be empty vessels, God, proclaiming the gospel. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We worship you now, Jesus. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.